0: thing to mind. After Combat.
1: All right, this is the Advanced After Combat podcast. This is a podcast brought to you by myself, uh, Dave, uh, my co-host, uh, the other member of the Wargaming Bromance, Jason. Hello. And a, a mystery uh, host that we bring on from our guild. Each each month we have a different host that we bring on, and uh, this this month our, our mystery host is uh, John Allgood, the medicine man
2: hooray welcome
1: yeah John you've been on before on an episode that that probably has received uh, you know it was it was was an infamous episode Uh, it's it's
2: memorable (laughs) I don't really remember it but some people do (laughs) yeah and and
1: through no fault of your own I mean mistakes were made (laughs) upset but you know it's okay
2: there there are mistakes (laughs) enough to go around on that episode
1: yeah. So, uh, so John is, uh, John, I believe this is, you, you've only done that one, right? This is going to be your second time coming on. That's correct. Yeah, So this, this podcast is about, uh, it's, it's about war games, but it's also just kind of about war gamers I think mostly. So we talk about, uh, our own experiences playing and, and, uh, different people that we know. And an important part of the podcast is the guild that's on BGG. That's kind of formed around the podcast. We've got about 350 uh, wargamers who are all mostly degenerates, but enjoy the hobby and uh, some. Some
2: more degenerate than others. Right, exactly. So, uh, so that, that's
1: a big part of it. So, if you if you haven't experienced the guild, if it's the first time that you're hearing the podcast, uh, we're sorry. It, yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, so if, if make make sure you check out the guild and make sure you go on BGG and check out our guild The address is on. Like, John, are you like, what are you doing, John? John's moving boxes. Uh, yeah, well, you're sorry. like, you're grating cheese. What are you doing? No, I'm just opening up a drawer. <laughs> and, and are you are you on, are you using the click to talk or have you gone off click to talk?
2: I've gone off click to talk. Yeah, that's I no, I would, it's noticeable. It's a full sensory experience of being
1: with me today that's right okay so uh so yeah so we're gonna get to enjoy everything john does today apparently because he's refusing to use the click feature <laughs> all right yeah and so john and i uh we've gamed because we have a decision at Elst campaign um that which we yeah. on
2: hiatus for about what six months now
1: yeah, it's kind of stillborn yeah so but it's a great we it was one of the first uh asl Games that I started doing on Vassal. And so that was a lot of fun because we were both kind of messing around with it. I actually want to get back to it because I think it's the one ASL game I have going where I'm actually doing pretty well.
2: Yeah, you're doing very well. I'm doing Piss Four.
1: Yeah, so, but the problem is I've got such a regular schedule with Pete and Ralph, it's hard to to get anybody in otherwise. And because John's in, in Texas, the time issue, you know, late nights are too late.
2: Yeah. It could happen. Give it a chance.
1: Though I will say, we played with, uh, when we played Vassal Thursday night, uh, Nick and Floyd Wing came on. And uh, Nick actually stayed up till four in the morning his time watching us. So that's Yikes. insane. And this this is a Thursday night.
2: Like, it's not like a weekend night. He's a better man than most.
1: Seriously. Yeah. So. Um,
2: so, John, I think a lot of the basic
1: stuff that we normally talk about uh, probably we covered on the first episode, so uh, I didn't know if you just wanted to, uh, unless you had some kind of introduction you wanted to to, to do real quick.
2: Uh, if people don't know who I am, well, they need to learn a lot, so let's, let's okay. move on. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, so, John, what are, what, are you, what are you drinking? I am. What are you drinking tonight, John? I, my bride and I started off at the... Uh, the bre- local brewery and had about three or four beers there. And then we went out to dinner and I had another beer and I moved on to Jameson's whiskey. So I'm Very feeling nice. pretty good.
1: So this might explain some of the technical problems. We're <laughs> Correct.
2: <morning>. Correct. <laughs> you know, I, I, there's a certain standard I have to bring to bear and I'm trying my best. What about you Jason? What do you got?
0: Um, I'm keeping it manly today and drinking um, port wine and seltzer. I'm on baby duty after the podcast and need to have my wits about me.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: Good. That's wow.
0: an interesting combination, Jason. It's really good. It's nice and refreshing.
1: It did, does the seltzer like make it like a lighter drink? Is that the idea? Yeah.
0: Just make. Yeah. It's basically like wine soda. Yeah, I've got I'm this. enjoying it. Don't. Don't judge me. <laughs> no, that's
1: fine. It's all the judging has already begun.
0: It began yeah, began the minute that we started recording. The judgment. Yeah, I understand. Speaking of local spots for you, John, have you been to the Standard Poor downtown? In in, in Dallas?
2: I have not been to the Standard Poor. I've I've been in meaning to go there, but I have not been yet.
0: All right. I'm I'm I have dinner plans there with a client on Tuesday, so I'll I'll let you know.
2: Oh, this Tuesday, so
0: more yeah. traveling for me
1: no uh gaming invite for John You're not going? yeah yeah
0: no I'm I'm in town for like 18 hours and it's all work unfortunately yeah if something falls through let me know mm-hmm we'll do go grab a beer all right' or a real so, drink
2: so so guys uh, there
1: is this thing it's the elephant in the room it, there's there's a quiz.
2: Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. It
1: is, uh, it is. Oh, yeah. Another thing. This is a podcast, so don't let your kids listen to it. But, okay. So uh, so there's this quiz, and it is completely optional, not mandatory. You don't have to yeah, take it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Get over with it. Come on. Bring it on.
1: I, I think Braxton is starting to get a little salty about making the quiz since the title of this is Another Motherfucking Podcast Quiz. <laughs>
0: He's probably the only person who doesn't complain about the infrequency of our podcast.
1: That's right. No, and it's like if it, it, we're we're disorganized enough to where he will like occasionally email me and be like, um you're doing the podcast, right? Like when do you need the quiz? Like, like he forces me to keep
0: track. <laughs>
1: All right, John. So this is a blah blah blah, optional, don't have to take it. Um yeah, there's, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So there's
1: oh and so there are uh three questions. And then there is a bona fide bonus question. Meaning? Dude, it's bonus, man. That means it's it's worth the same amount as all the others. (laughs) All right. All right. So we'll get started. So uh, so we can get to the good stuff, which is going to be after the quiz. That's where all the meaty good stuff is going to be talked about. So uh, question number one, or yeah, question number one is name the five nations or empires that fought at the Battle of Nations in Leipzig. In September 1813.
2: Well France is gonna be it. one of them. Got it. Uh, uh the Prussians. Correct. Uh, I'm guessing the Russians. Correct. Austrians? Correct. Uh let's go for Bavaria. I don't know.
1: You know, that's interesting. That's not one of the choices, but I think that is a correct answer. Okay. I believe the Bavarians did fight it. at uh, Because I want to say they were maybe still French allies or just teetering on betraying the French at this point. Um, Yeah, they were moving back and forth all through that time. So the fifth answer that Braxton prepared was Sweden, which is a strong, because this is where... Ah. Or okay. what's his face? The asshole uh, marshal had been made king of Sweden or whatever.
2: Bernadette.
1: Yeah, Bernadette, and then screwed over. Napoleon side. "Oh yeah, well that put Sweden solidly on our side," and that's not how it worked out. Uh, okay, question. So I think I think I'm going to give it. That's a pretty solid. Five out of five, right there. I like uh, it. So question number two: During the Battle of Antietam in September 1862, there were six hotly contested geographical areas fought over by Confederate and Union troops. I feel like I'm either like, like John is having an ultrasound right now and I can hear the baby moving in his uterus.
2: No, that's just my arms moving across going, what the fuck am I doing? I got myself into
1: this one. I almost heard like, like, like a little heartbeat. Like I can hear the heartbeat. Okay. So it's Antietam, September 1862. Uh, there were six hotly contested geographical areas fought over by Confederate and Union troops. Uh, name five of these six locations on the Antietam battlefield. So Antietam, six locations, and five.
2: Uh, I'm guessing here Burnside's Bridge. Is that the wrong battle here? No, that's, you're correct. Uh, okay. Okay. Um... after that i'm losing it so i'm going to say uh, some sort of cornfield some sort of farm i don't know no i okay
1: okay so so move on so okay so <laughs> there is the cornfield there's the cornfield uh which i think we can probably give you i think it's miller's cornfield yeah uh, i didn't know the name but uh so i think we can give you two out of the five Uh, There's the Eastwoods, the Sunken Road, Bloody Lane. Ah, okay. I think that Uh, was Gordon's Georgians against the Irish Brigade there. Uh, Dunker Church, Northwoods, and Burnside and Bridge, obviously. So I think we're with two out of five. Okay, number three. For each historical, military, or political figure listed, name what country, province, or empire they're associated with. So I will give you the figure, and you will give me the... uh, Country, province, or empire they're associated with. Got it. Got it. Uh, Boudica, Iceni.
2: Boudica, uh, I'll of cheap trick. So yeah. To chick? She's a chick, I think. Cheap keep, keep trick at Boudica. I don't know. <laughs> okay. um, I think we are going for. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. Iceni is the the. It's Britannia, Great Britain, or I think she was like leader of the. British Celts oh, bo- or something. Uh,
2: Bodicea. Bodicea. Yeah,
1: sure. oh yeah. fuck, I don't know how to fucking say this shit. Yeah.
2: That was, was
1: B-O-U-D-I-C-C A. Yeah. How the fuck is that Bodicea?
2: That's how I've always pronounced it. She was uh the uh, led the rebellion against the Romans in, in, in Tanya.
1: You better not be fucking with me and that I just not using this as an excuse to, to get credit for the question.
2: No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Not this time.
1: He is fucking with me on this because all these ones are really uh I think it'd be hard to pronounce. Okay. The next one is Darius the uh, First.
2: he was the Persian Empire uh, emperor who was defeated by. Okay, you got it. Don't don't. Yeah,
1: okay. you don't get extra points.
2: <laughs> Just rub it in. Right.
1: <laughs> you you had me at Persian. <laughs> okay. I actually think I pronounced that one correctly. Um, oh, geez. Uh, Quechua
2: yeah, oh. he was the uh, Zulu king defeated by the British. I knew you were going to get that. One can, you, for sure.
0: can you pronounce it correctly for us? Sishweya. What
2: Sishwaya. about the Kampande part? Com- I don't know. I don't know how you're pronouncing that one. I don't know what what you're talking. K a
1: m p a n d e. Yeah, that's exactly what I just said. I pronounced it that exact same way.
2: Well, you know, I'm drunk, so what do you know?
1: Okay, so that's good. So you're doing well. Um, Albrecht von Wallenstein. Wallenstein. I, have no, I
2: have no idea. Wallenstein? Wallenstein. Don't know. Okay. Uh, Holy Roman Empire. Yeah, wouldn't have known that uh, Charlemagne. Charlemagne? Charlemagne. Uh, King of the Franks?
1: Yeah, you could. So I'm thinking you get like uh, four out of five?
0: It looks like four.
1: And now John just jumped into the pool. He (laughs) dove into the pool. He's swimming around with his mic on. He's in. He's swimming with the whales.
0: Said fuck it all.
1: Okay, bona fide. I gotta have a drink for that. So here we go. Besides the Bismarck, name the five remaining battleships and heavy cruisers in the German Kriegsmarine in service between thirty-nine and forty-five. So five battleships and heavy cruisers in the german navy thanks for throwing the fucking german word in there for me uh between 39 and 45 besides the bismarck
2: fresh bay got it uh the Tirpitz, got it the scharnhorst got it uh i'm drawing a blank from here on out there's the sheer ah okay
1: and the nice
2: now be nice
1: be nice Fucking. Yeah. I wouldn't have known that one. You You couldn't pronounce the one, you couldn't guess the one that's the hardest to read? (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, it starts with a GN, it's like like, new. GN. uh, GNOW, I don't know. GNOW, yeah, okay. So it looks like you got uh, three out of those. Correct. So that's three. So, Jason, do you have a total score for John there?
0: That's 14. That is really good. That's pretty good. That was a hard quiz, too. Rex Gator good? Uh wow. it's up there.
2: It's
0: <laughs> up there. I think that was pretty solid.
1: Um so Jason, hey, did you get to watch the Newcastle match today?
0: No, I followed it on my phone. I was at a volleyball tournament for most of it. Yeah, they're
1: they're fucked, basically. Yeah. They really yeah. needed to win. And it's disappointing.
0: <laughs> Not as
2: fucked as Oklahoma was by Villanova, so yeah, well the difference is Oklahoma
1: doesn't get sent down to Division Two if they play bad at the end of the year.
2: That's, <laughs> that's what's
1: gonna happen to Newcastle. I mean we're not even talking about Newcastle being good. We're talking about if they're gonna be able to stay in the Premier League.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a long slog back back to the league too. Um
1: okay, so I we we I'd had a book recommendation. Jason recommended uh
0: uh, well, I don't know if you recommended it. I don't know if I recommended it. But, I was just excited you were reading it. John,
2: have, who's the author? Is it Neil Stevenson? Yes. have, have not read anything by Neil Stevenson. So,
1: so Jason, you, you read Snow Crash, right?
0: I read Snow Crash uh, quickly after it came out. So there might be something said there. I mean, the style is uh, a little hard to read, yeah. I think. Yeah, and it's a little. It's it's kind of all about the style. Like, there's not uh, there's a story there, but it's not great writing. It's more style of or substance of the kind of world he's painting. um Which yeah. I I went through a huge like cyberpunk phase, so I I have a soft spot in my heart for stuff like that. But
1: now that that book was written like a while, a little while ago, right? So I... yeah, it's a little bit older. Yeah, so maybe it's not as cool now now that basically a lot of the stuff that he's talking about is actually <laughs> real you know so like yeah. it was probably yeah. cooler when it was a cooler idea that you could be online and walking in a world that's online but uh yeah i got the feeling like his writing style is as if he just tweeted that the thing would paragraph by paragraph at you you know it's kind of an odd mm. very basic way of writing like yep. know, very just he just says exactly what it is and I don't know. I mean, I thought yeah, that, I thought some of the premises were kind of cool, like how, how the idea that the world is kind of like owned by different groups and stuff, and that everyone's divided it up to corporations. So that was interesting. Yeah. So I, that's there. I guess what I'm saying is, I read Snow Crash. I'm about three quarters of the way through.
0: Yeah, that was my question. If you finished it, you don't have to finish. I it. don't know. It doesn't end. I don't know if I can.
1: Yeah. I don't. I don't think it will. I, I already feel. So like I'd be it's, curious. Uh, not,
0: I'd be curious to to hear what you thought of Cryptonomicon, which is another book he wrote that's more grounded in reality and it kind of jumps between a near future and World War 2 covering um Alan Turing and and the Enigma machine and um that's pretty good. It's not as out there as no crashes, um, but a lot Plus, of people dude, still don't like it. But All the
1: shit that they get into about the Sumerian religion and these long 50-page discussions of the Sumerians, I got mm-hmm. to where honestly I'm just skipping pages to try to see are they done talking about this shit so I can get yeah. onto the... Perfect. So maybe don't but... read
0: Cryptonomicon then, because it's, it's thick and there's a lot of digressions like that.
1: John, what do you got? You got anything good that you're reading right now that you can recommend to anybody?
2: No. Not, not really at all I I was reading the Glenn cook uh uh the black company and I went through the first trilogy and I started I the think second those are trilogy. great I've, I enjoyed those uh I got about through the second trilogy and I'm kind of getting bored with it right now because it seems the same thing uh, is this the, the is this with the lady or is that before that it's after the lady so
1: I didn't go any further so maybe that's good that I didn't
2: yeah I it's it's interesting, but it doesn't. It's I'm losing interest with it. So.
1: And the premise is that it's like a, a mercenary company, the Black Company, and they they fight through the world, and like uh, the main character is like the historian, basically. Correct. And Correct. He writes their history.
2: Correct. And it seems that he has died at the end of one book, that's and that's kind I'm, of how it works. Yeah, and I'm kind of losing my interest after that. There seem to be books after that. I need to give it another shot, so. Is anybody else And Dave, there.
0: on your recommendation, I picked up The Thieves' World. So I'll be starting that hopefully Monday on the plane.
2: Oh, that's, that's good stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I can't get anybody to say anything bad about it, so I thought I'd give um, it I just lost you
1: guys for a while. That was weird. That's weird. I picked it all up. Yeah. Okay, were, were you guys just not pressing on your things? <laughs> I. we no, were talking. I, I heard okay. him. I've, I've done that where, like, I... Uh, I'll, I'll talk for a little while, and then I'll realize I'm not pressing my super <laughs> button. Yeah, I, I like the beginning of the Black Company books. I like—I've read maybe the first five or six or something. But it's like you know, it was similar to like I read the the Lost Fleet series, which I kind of liked. Um, but the Lost Fleet series is a little bit trashier, maybe. But it's still like space fleet navy stuff. So
0: yeah, those books are pretty trashy.
2: I'm I'm also going on Napoleon's wars that. Duck sent me so, which is interesting. the The author has a is not a fan of Napoleon, so
1: <laughs> that's always fun. Well, yeah, and Jason, I saw you guys are starting. You guys are going to for BGG your book club
0: thing. Yeah, yeah, it came in the mail uh, Friday, I guess. Yes. So I'll be starting that soon.
1: So um I don't know, do you guys have any want to talk about any games you've been playing recently or uh what you got going on as far as games? What have you been messing around?
2: I've been doing some Combat Commander. I'm supposed to be back in Lair the Sun tournament. Um, my problem with that is we're playing with ATS, which I'm not a fan of. Uh I much prefer a Vassalog and I don't know. It just it's hard for me to keep motivated with, with the ATS world.
0: Yeah I don't like that system.
2: So I've been negligent that. Um, I'm also trying to teach myself liberty or death, which I'll talk about in a little bit. and that's pretty much about it. Oh, I Ross and Russ and I have a game of unhappy King Charles that we halfway through. Nice so and that's going pretty well. Uh, just, as soon as he gets some time off we'll get back to that and then if we ever that's get back, if we ever get back to else Dave
1: so. well yeah that's that's what I want to talk to you about too because if, with the advance after combat convention that we're gonna talk about uh, I'd like that I think it'd be good if we could set that up as like the one of the walking games like a hopping game
2: that sounds like a great idea do that and maybe have a where uh, uh, eagles dare or uh, Lobatai game or even a the Greatest Day or even uh, what's the MMP game on the British Battles of Normandy.
1: uh, But I agree. Like uh, I I think I can volunteer Brad. I think he has a copy of Moskawa so he could throw down the Shevardino scenario at, at the con and we could just have guys who could step in and play.
2: Sounds good. Um, I guess we should talk about, we've got about, what, 26 guys, 27 guys signed up for the convention. Uh, Always looking for more people to add on. Uh, Very much so. We've got some people who have ponied up more above and beyond the the $60 price. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about our official sponsor who's agreed to come on. Uh, Haven't got any funds from him yet, but we've got some ideas there
1: yeah I, I, I think yeah, some guys have pony up Jason did you pony up any extra money besides the 60 bucks
0: not yet no I meant to last month and completely forgot about it you got to stay on top of me John all right I'm we're, squirrely we're,
2: we're shaming you online now. <laughs> that's, so. right. Seriously. Just
1: doing <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah so uh, John do you want to go over like, what I, but the, I think uh, in
0: our poll there were like 35 people who said yes and and to get you know 27 yeah, it's, that math doesn't add up.
1: Yeah. No, it, yeah. it, it, it's it's going to happen. I mean, we have enough money. No, we happening. have enough supporters that are going to come in with extra cash if they have to to make it. Let's happen. just say
2: I so, I paid a deposit, and we are. It's happening one way or another.
1: John, so, so go. What's the date period? Can you go over the dates for it real quick? What the hotel is, where it is. I wanted to really make my reservations before you, we did this, but I'll try to do it tonight.
2: Uh, well, I haven't actually got an official link from the hotel yet, but it's okay. It's October 16th, I believe, is the week. Uh, Let me check on the calendar real quick.
1: Yeah, that might be important to get that date correct.
0: (laughs) Is it the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th?
2: Yes, it is actually the – yes, it is, the 14th, 15th, and 16th. Sorry. Yeah, and we've got the hotel room up uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for $100 a night. Uh, if people want to show up on the Wednesday, it's going to be 129 since it's a business hotel. So it be a little bit more expensive on the Wednesday night. Um, I actually went to a local brewery today and I'm trying to set up a, a one, maybe a Thursday or Friday evening. We can go and hang out at the brewery for. 10 or 20 bucks, uh, drink a bunch of nice. beer and tour the facilities and basically just hang out and socialize.
1: So this is, so basically you told your wife that you need to go to the brewery because you need to do research for the convention. This is all. Of course. And yeah. your official tax, right? As, yeah. As convention director. <laughs> Correct. Correct.
2: Correct. It's it's a research facility. Right. Yeah. Like, We're going to need to
1: try all the beers right now. Okay.
2: Yeah. And
1: it worked well. So
2: she was happy to do that.
1: And it's at the Hyatt, right? So it should be nice. The Hyatts are usually pretty good quality.
2: Yeah. And, and, um, our gaming room is right by the bar. So if those of us who like to drink, it won't be a long stagger to go and have a beer
0: or a cocktail. So,
1: yeah. So like, like I mentioned, it's a bunch of good guys that are going to be there. Pretty much everybody there is regular in the guild. You've probably heard of them if you've listened to the show or if you're guild. And, uh, with the plan is to have maybe like three or four or five, like larger games uh, that you can hop in and hop out of and don't have to worry about like committing yourself long-term to the game, games like Labatai or maybe uh, Battles of the Age of Reason or AS, and uh, there'd be a guy nearby or either playing or available to you. So if you guys have rules questions, uh, you could hit that guy, like on the Lovatai Le- 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 game, like maybe I would be the guy who you would ask if you had a, a question about something. So that way you get you get somebody to help you out, but also you don't have to feel like you're playing the game and you're stuck playing one game the whole convention.
2: So, And I should also mention Mitch has organized a Combat Commander Tournament that we're doing, uh, play-in rounds right now, and we should have a final or even a semi-final and a final game at the convention, and I'm working up a trophy that I'm making, so...
0: Oh, very nice.
1: Yeah, and the idea too is that if we have uh, a, enough participation and we can get it going by the end, we should be able to. I'm thinking maybe you or somebody can help me with uh, uh, designing challenge coins for the convention. So that would be something you get. You so you would have a t-shirt that you can wear the first day without washing it and walk around like a douchebag the whole time. <laughs> you would have a challenge <laughs> coin that you put in your pocket and actually get some get something out of it.
2: And I should also mention more people that attend. The more likely this is going to happen in the future and the more things that we can do for people, the more money we make, the more things we can do for people. I'm not really interested in making a profit on this. Um if we do make but a profit – But we would
0: like to break even.
2: It, uh, any profits will go back into paying for the podcast yeah, or, it, or for people
1: who attend. And it's good, John, that you're not interested in making a profit because I think that, that you would ultimately
2: get support.
0: <laughs> That's not our business model.
2: <laughs> right. Trust me. I have no no intentions of making any money. So.
1: If the plan is to just break even and lose a little bit of money, I think we are going to be 100% full throttle towards it.
0: Uh, yeah. We're on goal for that right now <laughs> we're on goal from losing money i always i always enjoy that
2: all hey, right well uh what about you
1: jason do you have stuff that's been going on Do you have games you've been playing i mean, and, and john like you've been playing with brad right so that's kind of a new guy for you so i
2: have been playing with brad he's a great guy lives close to me i met him through the guild so it's another reason to join the guild you'll meet good people um and we've met up twice face to face and done a vassal a couple of times and it's uh, worked out really well. Alright Jason, so I'm sorry, you're saying that's awesome.
0: Oh I haven't been playing much of anything. Um I've been working like crazy and then I keep volunteering to play test these decision magazine games and I don't I don't know what my problem is because they take up quite a bit of time. Um and you know they're play tests so they're not very polished games and they can be frustrating at times and um, you mean but I but I keep saying yes because I'm a dumbass and um, is- so most of my time has been spent on those lately
2: decision games doesn't have polished games i'm i'm shocked. i'm trying to help that yeah i, I it takes I thought up we, more
0: of my time than i wanted to yeah i thought we might
1: do the april fools episode where i did like a, uh, a victory point game review and loved it and Tom rave raved <laughs> about the <component>
0: quality. <laughs> and the price yeah it's a bargain you know they
1: are kind of cool like uh, like I, I i i found the same thing kind of with shining path which was like the one small step games game where it seemed kind of cool i kind of liked it but in the end i was like when john and i played it we were like will this game ever end like we don't know if this mm. game can possibly
2: end it seemed like no. it could go on for weeks
1: and so then you start to wonder with these magazine games like do that I mean do they have time to play test the games because they have to roll it out right so it's kind of
0: well they are play tested I'll I will say that because you're doing it yeah that's all I'll say though so, so um yeah I don't know
1: Jason I think we need to get a game together at some point here and play
0: I think so I need I need to I need to play real games again here pretty soon. And not Seki Gahara. What about you, Dave? What are you playing? You, you dominate me in Seki Gahara, so I'm not going to play that with you. That's the only game I ever win.
1: Oh my God. It's like over the internet enjoy and know when I'm full of shit. It's like so bad. <laughs> I have been playing. Let's see. What do I got here? Oh, so we have a Space Empires game, play by email game, uh, with Will, uh, All Good, and the Duck, and myself. And. Uh, it's just getting to the. It, we're like at turn eight or turn nine. You know, first turns everybody kind of expands and tries to find shit and build up their colonies. We're just getting to the point where I think there's going to be some fighting. John, are you about to get aggressive?
2: I'm thinking about it. I know you and Will have been knocking each other about a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I sailed in. The interesting thing is we're playing with the racial differences, so you don't really know what you're up against until you contact uh, the other race, like as far as what their special ability is. or Everybody gets like a special ability. But uh, I ran three scouts into one of Will's planets, and he had built a base there without me realizing the base. Then his special ability was basically that his guys get to attack before all my guys do. They're like super brave. So they, he completely destroyed my entire fleet. So that- then we –
2: You should mention that each one of us have kind of have an alter ego that we've kind of created right now. You're the the bugs, and Duck is not surprisingly a bunch of ducks, and I've been dubbed the space elves. I don't know what Will has been dubbed. He's like the boring
1: Terrans. Yeah. With us, we we call his nation food. That's what we're looking for. They're they're what's being served for dinner. (laughs) But yeah, so it's kind of a cool game once you get into it, because now at this point, like... Uh we're starting to gear up. We've all got our colonies going, so I'm actually gearing up and I have a I have a racial ability that helps me in the long run in battles. So uh I rolled out fighters and carriers and uh in our I just recently he had like a lone scout somewhere. But the problem is because I'd lost my entire fleet, um I had to sit back and kind of try to desperately rebuild to put me back on the defensive. And um uh, so I just recently attacked one of his scouts and killed him with a whole bunch of fighters, and now it's we're going into turn nine, which should see a lot more action. I think because I think the economies are starting to kind of churn out like fleets now, and we'll see how the fighting system works. But, but yeah, duck. Duck was accusing John of John space elves of being too aggressive. So
0: <laughs> I don't think there's any such thing. Yeah. Well,
2: the, the ducks have are been known for having sex with their own corpses. So
1: that's right. That's right. He did. He did admit to that culturally they had issues with, with corpse sex yes yeah, so uh so it was funny because i did attack will in a pretty uh, blatant attack and then when he slaughtered me then i claimed we we're attempting to d- deliver our diplomatic and en- envoy to them <laughs> we, were, we were shocked by <laughs> their aggression but of course all my ships were dead so i had nothing else to do at that point so we got the space empires game going i think that's going to be really cool um let me see what else I got going on. Uh, a lot of ASL. And and I just wanted to mention a couple things that have happened. I know I, I we talked a lot about Game On. And uh, Pete and I had played uh, Valor of the Guard, Stalingrad at Game On. And there were a couple of moments for me that I wanted to touch on that just are kind of like about the story. Like at, at one point, Pete had a bunch of tanks driving by one of my AT guns. Long range, and my AT gun just kept shooting. It actually took out two of his tanks before uh, – he was able to get past it. And uh, so that was kind of satisfying. I had like a very weak anti-tank gun, but I positioned it in a weird way where it was looking down a road. And so when his guys would drive by, they were showing their flanks to me. And as each one would come by, we'd nail it. And then he had he had one moment where uh, Pete was trying to take the Univermag department store from me. And he'd snuck up a bunch of guys. He had a big stack of like uh, Germans with a 10-2 leader, which is like one of the best leaders the Germans have. And he moved next to me and my guys were in the cellar. So he's thinking, okay, they might shoot at me. But I actually had a flamethrower in the cellar. So I stuck the nozzle of the flamethrower out the cellar window and I completely <laughs> roasted his 102 liter, burned him to death. And the, the image was so crazy that the troops with him then routed and ran away, they ran back into the building. <laughs> so I was feeling kind of good and Pete's like, oh, fuck, you got that flamethrower in that building. I don't know how I'm gonna be able to take it. But he had a, a stug nearby that then Pete's like, oh, I'll just shoot the stew, get the salad and he rolls boxcars or he rolls snake eyes and then snake eyes again, Rubble's the Uniformag department store. <laughs> the, the, the building is a three-story awesome. building. It falls into the street, <laughs> so then we have to put Rubble in the street uh, and there was actually a chance, there's a chance in the game where if the building had fallen the other way, it can collapse all the other buildings in that department store and the whole building can then collapse. So, wow. So that was kind of cool, and then uh, so and then we're playing on Vassal. Pete and I are also doing Valor of the Guards, and uh, we're playing the first bid, which is kind of the first day scenario. And so I'm the Soviets. We, we'll, Pete's always the Germans. I'm always the Soviets. And then Journal Eleven came out with an article which basically talks about how to play the Soviets and Valor of the Guards, and how. And I, as I'm reading it, I'm just like, oh, I'm totally fucked. I like broke every rule. This guy talks about them. I mean, Pete Stukas are basically dominating. I can't even move without his Stukas killing all my guys. I put my forward observer too close, too far forward. He was killed in like the first three turns of the game. Uh, Basically, Pete has a giant penis-shaped attack ramming through Stalingrad, the center, (laughs) reaching, trying to penetrate to the Volga. And if you look at the map, it looks exactly like that. The the shaft of his attack is jamming right through. And his guys are literally just running down the streets. I have no one to stop them. And I, I have hidden guys, but I'm not sure if I want to reveal them. So some of his guys are just like obliviously running past soviet units and defensive positions because i'm thinking maybe i'll trigger those guys later but we'll see Hmm. and uh in that game so basically i'm I'm basically praying that i've got reinforcements that i have to roll for i've got a large force that might come in on the south to help me but i've also on like turn 13 i've got like a giant force that comes over the volga on assault boats so we'll see what happens with that uh and again narrative in that i had a I think I talked about my hero Gimp that was down in the basement where he kept sending squads down. And then the guy would be up on the roof and drop on them and ambush them and kill everybody in the room. Uh, I had a T-34 that I was driving because his Stukas are so good at killing my tanks when they move. Uh, I was paranoid. So I was going to try to drive it into some rubble. You want to end your move in rubble so you've got some cover. But I needed to use excessive speed to do it and so i rolled like a box cars and then an 11 so i bogged and dropped the transmission and immobilized the tank in the rubble at the same time so i basically now got a t-34 that's facing the wrong direction it's facing away from the germans but it's stuck and it can't move anymore because they they blew up the engine so they had to turn their turret around facing rearward in case the germans might run down the road or something so uh and then uh we're also playing La uh, Duck and I are playing La Bataille, and we've been using the adjacency command rule for that game. Um, we're doing the Chevardino scenario, which is kind of a, a great beginner scenario, and that's the one I thought maybe we would do if we were going to do it at a, at a advance After Combat. Um, Duck kind of pounded my first div- French division that got across the river, uh, but my guys are really stretched out even though they've, they've fought them off. But he sent in his grenadiers and started doing like uh, assaults on the center of my position. And uh, the the Russian grenadiers are super strong. Like they they have morales that are like 11s, 12s, and 13s. And so when their morales are that low, they don't even take negative modifiers in the morale check chart. So like uh, they basically can automatically pass most of the checks to close and assaults. And so uh, he kind of rammed through the center of my division. But he's also disordered. So at, at the current state of affairs, I'm... He's spent a little bit, and I'm out of command, and I'm trying to rush my other two divisions across the river to help him out. So we'll see what happens with that. But two great games, ASL and Lavatai, and uh, I'm really enjoying the shit out of playing them. And then, like I said, we have the Space Empires game, and I think that's it for what I have ongoing right now as far as fun stuff because I don't have shit for face-to-face gaming. So
0: That's a lot.
1: Some yeah stuff. well i mean there, you know like the, the game with duck i oh and i'm also playing silver bayonet with ralph on fridays so friday nights so oh yeah we finished the, the the one where the vc are basically just trying to all flee off map and uh we finished that campaign and now we're starting like a real campaign and i, and I realized are you
0: guys doing the grand campaign the the big one um i
1: maybe we are i think it's uh, i don't know if it's <laughs> the uh, basically it starts with only the arvin on' I'm a,
0: it's turn one, so yeah I think I think that is the big one it's like it's all thirty nine turns
1: yeah I got all aggressive and cocky because I was like used to playing with the u s troops there, and then I realized very quickly <laughs> that I did not have the kind of support and power, so then I had
0: to run back to my little patrol yeah. bases, <laughs> yeah, the Arvin don't perform very well early in the war,
1: yeah, and I think they start pretty- strong. obviously it makes sense that they would start strong i mean the the v c are all over the place so it was yeah. cool to see the VC show up, too, because in the other one that I played, it was all NVA. So it's kind of cool to see those VC yeah. counters.
0: Those VC guys can pop up and be pretty pretty effective from time to time, which is nice. <laughs> okay, see. so
1: let me ask you a question, Jason, because you've you tested this, and this is something I talked to Mitch about a little bit. Um, how do you feel about the fact that the assault-maneuver combat combo automatically makes it impossible to, to res- re- withdraw from combat?
0: Um, I don't necessarily agree, but I I understand what it's representing. I mean, it's you're you're getting pinned down. Um, I I get it, and it's part of that system. Um, so I can see why they want to keep it. That that's part of you know that that dual combat type is part of that whole series of games. Yeah, I just... It, it doesn't bother me. I, I
1: guess, and, and just to explain, there's basically two types of ground combat you can do. You can do like a maneuver combat that's more like uh, fire and maneuver, and then you have an assault, which is kind of where I'm doing assault, and we're just going to basically charge in and slug it out close range. And uh, there's a rule where basically if you... Normally, a unit might be able to withdraw from combat before the combat if it makes a roll. But if you uh, have some of your guys assault and some of your guys maneuver, uh, that option's not available to the defender. And I just didn't like the fact that it was automatic. You know. Oh, I see. I uh, thought maybe it should be yeah, a modifier. It I it. thought maybe it should be a modifier to the combat refusal roll. Like if the guys mm-hmm. doing assault and maneuver, then it's harder to withdraw. I just never like it when something's automatic. So.
0: Sure. Yeah, and it, to do that, you're giving something up, right? Because both combats are going to be less effective than if you were to pick one. Um, but it does give you that option, so that you can you can keep the people in place. The, uh, the assault and maneuver against the hidden markers got modified recently because that didn't that didn't feel right. Or you can automatically pin down a hidden unit. Um, right. Which I like.
1: Right. And I way. also, I don't remember if it's this way, but I also felt that uh, if it was an uncoordinated attack, then it shouldn't keep the unit from fleeing. You know what I mean? Like,
0: uh, that's because
1: it's not coordinated. So the assault and the maneuver aren't coordinated. So why would they pin the unit? That's the whole point of them coordinating.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you check coordination after. Right. That's, that's the problem. Combat that's the problem. Mm, I
2: see. Uh, aside from that, concern are you pretty happy with silver bayonet so far
1: uh i well jason has more experience with it i love it man like i played the vc and i thought they were cool but man when you start doing the u.s stuff and you're just rolling in (laughs) the way the helicopters work it's like so easy bringing in your chinooks and trying to decide and and i did i did a big operation where uh, we called it operation cul-de-sac where we basically, in the scenario we played the VC and NVA, or the NVA in that case, are trying to flee into Cambodia. And I had set up a cordon line, basically a solid cordon of US infantry. Uh, so what they, what they try to do is then the VC will try to spawn new hidden units. But behind them, almost like Fox and the Hounds, I had a bunch of CIDG patrol guys coming in from the east side. And they cut, they closed the east side of the pocket by putting their uh, patrol zones out there, so then the the NVA couldn't uh, hide themselves anymore. You know what I'm talking about, Jason? <laughs> so like, they were trying to, so what'll happen is when you have the NVA and you've identified them, you're like, oh, that's an infantry unit. Well, if you don't keep a patrol guy near him, they just pop more concealment later on and then they can run off and you're not sure where the hell was that guy? Like, now I don't know who to attack in my turn because there was a stack of hidden markers there. But if you've got your little patrol markers there, then if they're within the, the zone, it's usually two, three, or four, depending on the, the patrol zone of a, of a, like a patrol type, special forces type unit, they can't uh, spawn more hidden movement markers or gain them. So it really is cool. The, well, the one I realized that, because uh, normally I was just using my patrol markers to find hidden units. And once I realized I could keep them from hiding again by keeping the patrols near them, I was like, oh, that's fucking really
0: cool. Yeah. And it's so frustrating because you can put down a web that, you know, you can't put any new hidden markers out or hide guys that are out. And it's it's very frustrating. Yeah, it's very cool. I think it's a
1: great game. I think it's very. I also like, there's little rules, like if the VC or the NVA, I just realized this the other day, if they're in the town, you can't use U.S. air. Right. Like, because you think know, you can bombard, right? Right. So they, because you don't, they don't want to take the casualties. So the VC and the NVA are eager to get into those town areas where they can, like, like hug the civilian population.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I think the last little bit is just kind of tweaking the victory conditions because I, and Mitchum no, might not like this comparison, but I think it's going to end up being kind of close to downtown where the US can do relatively well but still have a chance at not winning with victory points the scenario. Because at this stage in the war, it's like, you know, weapons porn for the U.S. They can just bring all this air and all this stuff to bear. And the the, the VC and NBA are, you know, they can be effective in combat, but they have to be effective at the right time. Um, so I think there are going to be some situations where the U.S. might still end up losing just, from a game balance, so that it's not Dave like the one you were talking about, where the, the you know the VC there's or the NBA there's really nothing for them to do except run, and that's not necessarily fun. So it's kind of balancing the the, the victory right. conditions. You know,
1: we, the, what the we did in the campaign, yeah, what we did with the VC on that one is I think it's going to be basically uh, in the in the neighborhood of if any VC get off, it's a draw. So yep. basically the U.S.'s mission is to keep them all from getting away. And that really stretches the U.S. quite a bit because then you're really now trying to, you know, they're rushing. And we also increased uh, uh, a bunch of the half-step units. We flipped them into fatties and gave them full strength because then when those yeah. guys pop up, you're like, holy shit, that's a big guy. Yeah, uh, yeah they can and, bring some power. And, and the scoring is by steps and not by units. So if you right. get a, yep. a big guy off, that matters. So...
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things that the game is so good and it represents that era of the war so well that it, you know, it doesn't really matter if you win, you know, especially the campaign. You play 40 turns of this and it's, it's more about the experience of playing that out rather than, oh, I won as the NBA, you know. <laughs>
1: And I, I found that the helicopters, the artillery, the support is all very quick. It feels very easy to use. I mean, the system is very simple. So I really no. enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty great. So I, yeah, assume, I assume Medicine Man's going to buy it right away.
2: Uh, unlikely, since I'm not a Vietnam fan. Okay, so my system isn't <laughs> great. It's a, it's, it's, it's it's fun, a good though. sell job there, Dave.
1: Yeah, well, I'm trying to. It's a good game though. I like it. I mean, I'm, and I'm, I'm a medium Vietnam guy. Like I'm not into it the way Jason is. I mean, but it's great. I really, I'm, my excitement is the idea. And I, this is something I'm always kind of talking when i talk to Mitch is it's about, uh, how's it going to do with other campaigns? Like, let's not make a rule set that you have to rewrite every time you move it to a different period, like a different operation.
0: Yeah. Sort it down into the delta do some river boats, you know oh, do some urban absolutely. fighting fuck yeah that'd be yeah. awesome
1: like yeah arvin in the delta like the yeah. that ship that'd be great yeah, that'd be it's sweet awesome. yeah so i'd, I'd be really Never get excited. out of the boat <laughs> exactly
2: <laughs> yeah okay so that's that's
1: good we uh oh hey uh, uh what do you got on pre-order john you got anything good pre ordering
2: um i've got the gallipoli game from gmt which is about to hit the 500 mark i've got uh the ethiopia game which is not even close and i've got um the wellington in india game which is very close as well nice. and i've got a couple mmp games uh the asl stuff from mmp on pre-order which should yank should be coming out soon and a few other things
1: all right, on yeah. What about you, Jason?
0: Well, I have twenty in total, uh, so I won't talk about all of them. It looks like No Trumpets, No Drums is going to actually come in the next couple months, which is very exciting. And Fields of Fire might actually be released this year. Wow, that's uh, going to be impressive. So, see it. yeah, that'll be that'll be nice.
1: It'll probably be a dice game by the time it actually comes out. It'll just be all
0: dice, <laughs> like a bag of dice. <laughs> <laughs> just figure it out. What about you, Dave? I'm uh, sure you have a couple. I, well, I have the ASL products, so I'm
1: not going to go into that. Obviously, if there's an ASL module or core module coming out, I've got that pre-ordered. Um, I recently did get Shield of Chalm uh, from La Franque Tour, which is, had come back into production. had been out of print. And I saw it, and I had a quick panic attack, and then bought it. Because Rex had, uh, Rex had uh, reviewed it. And I'd always been lusting after it. So I said, fuck, I sold a shitload of stuff on eBay, like miniatures. So I, I used that money to buy Chom. And I also got my pocket-sized copy of ASL and uh, oh, yeah. my uh, charts. So I'm all good. And uh, so let's see. So Fields of Fire. I've got that one. Um, the real question is, what do I not have on pre-order?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much in the same boat. And
1: really, uh, the, I just canceled the pre-order. On uh, the Operation Mercury GCS game.
0: Oh,
2: I have that on there too. Why'd you why you why'd you dump that? Too one? fucking big. It's too big. It, it's 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 paratroopers and Merc- and, oh, in the, and the Australians. Oh no, crazy. I think it's awesome.
1: But when I looked at it, I was like, it's like a hundred. What is A hundred and twenty-five bucks pre-order. Yeah. And it's like ten right. maps, twelve map. Like basically, I saw a thing that showed all the maps. I'm like. Oh, for fuck's sake, I'm out. <laughs> like come on. Like
2: <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll never reproduce it, Dave. You no, I know. I know how this goes. I know I know how ever. this
1: road works. Like my problem is No Question of Surrender was a great module for the idea of it and for learning the game, the GTS game. The problem was they picked a bad uh like scenario, basically. I mean it's like you're driving a bunch of shitty Italian armor against a bunch of hidden French anti tank guns that are in a, a fort. I mean, that's not going to be fun for either side, really. So I don't know if they picked the right battle, but it's just like, can't they like find manageable size battles for GTS that'll cost like fifty bucks that you could get? I mean, like the I, I had the, the the Normandy Beach one uh, pre ordered, and I canceled that one because I was just like. You know, it's just too much shit. I, I get that Arnhem, that Market Garden had to be like, uh, Devil's Cauldron had to be the size it was because it's Devil's Cauldron. and uh, But it seems like now, like, I mean, what is, is Starkweather, is Adam going to do like a, a game, a GTS game called World War II that costs $25,000 and has fucking 500 <laughs> maps and like a billion count. I mean, like, yeah, Adam, just make World War II. Just fucking make the whole thing and we'll just yeah, we'll pay there's, there's $400,000. We'll have to get a mortgage to buy it.
2: There's something to be said. I mean, last summer I went to see the beaches in Normandy and I it really jazzed me to see the game come out at the same time. Yeah, but my problem so. is it's
1: like the game is, is it accessible? Like... Like okay, I can buy it, and you guys can buy it. But like, if you're a guy starting out in gaming, you're not fucking buying that game.
2: No, you're, you're I, right. I there. can't buy it if I have a seven month. <laughs> that's right. You're, you're you're right there. It's 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 for the hardcore. Yeah, it's, and, but it's
1: like that's all they're making. It, that's my problem with it, I guess. That all, like I find it hard. Like I have to I have to defend my purchases against the I uh, of I Mordor here in the <laughs> exactly. house and. uh <laughs> i mean my wife is actually i found out she found out how much i had in my paypal account i thought that was my secret slush fund that was a disaster when she found out how much money was in there D-
2: did she go through your your accounts when you were no but
1: i had left it up like an idiot like it's just like porn boys you got to treat it like a crime scene you got to no, clear
2: stuff. that history you cannot leave any evidence sanitize either I, that or take her to the dark side though
1: yeah it's it, it, so uh I can't, I, in my mind, I can't, like, Shield of Chom was, like, probably 100, but that's got, like, winter maps on one side, spring, I mean, it's great. When I see the Mercury game, and I love paratroopers, like, when they do, when the guys did the, some guy did some post on Vietnam 65 to 75, and he's like, well, which units do you bring in first? I'm like, oh, like, 82nd and 173rd because <laughs> paratroopers like, Yeah, who cares about which fucking division has more artillery that comes with it or you bring in the fucking paratroopers uh, so so,
2: I, so so Dave here's a practical question if you're going to do a GTS game that was accessible what would you do
1: my point is okay this is what I would say so so if he was doing if Adam was doing uh, Normandy did he have to do all those beaches I think so just do one, just two. divide the game up into segments and sell it separately. You know, just have these beaches and these beaches. And, these, and hey, the good news is you can put them all together and play one. That's how they used to do it all the time. Yeah. That they would sell individual games, but you could link them. But now it's like, it's like GTS has become like a, uh, like a, I don't know. I don't want to call it a vanity project because that's not fair. About well, it. like OCF. OCF makes smaller O-C- games. OCF made, made Baltic Gap. I mean, there's there's games yeah. available that aren't huge. Reluctant
2: Enemies, we're... unlike unlike Case Blue, Case Blue. Yeah, but Case huge.
1: Blue. If you're going to do Case Blue, it's got to be huge, and everybody knew that was going to be gigantic. Same with Guderian's Blitzkrieg. But but at least they do have pro- and, and I'm not saying I think Reluctant Enemies is a great game to learn how to play OCS in all its glory. But at least they have games that are coming in the price range of like 60 to 80. When you're pushing 120 for pre-order and then the retail is like 170 or something that's crazy that just is a lot for
0: for a game that's a lot
1: so i didn't cancel it because i'm protesting the the industry or but for me honestly it just got to where i was like dropping 125 on a game uh where it's not like it's not in like my prime wheelhouse of what i'm playing where i know the rules really well uh like for an ASL product, I might pay that because I think I know the rules pretty well. But I would have to back into GTS, and you know, Jason and I, we were up on those rules a couple of years ago. But yeah, I mean, it's a great system, and
0: it's one of those things. If if you were going to play it, you would buy it. But getting ten maps on even your humongous table is. You know, at times challenging, even if there's smaller scenarios. It's just, yeah, is, is Ty Snowfer you know. going
1: to buy it? Of course he's going to buy it because that's his yeah. big thing. And I love the system. I thought it was good. I, I did not like that he was talking about changing the rules when he went to the Normandy game because I don't like that. I think if your rules are good, they should be good no matter what the period. You shouldn't have to constantly change it. but
0: Or change the rules in a way that the old counters still work. Yeah, right. That bugs me. So, so yeah, so yeah. I think
1: GTS is getting too big. I think they, they could have done – operation mercury and done a couple of the the operations and just ship that. And then if it's successful, then you make another one and say, Hey, we're going to offer you these battles too. You know, I just think it's, there's this weird thing going on with it. Oh, who knows? What do I know?
2: Well, we're, we're not running a company. That's yeah. I got, <laughs> I got
1: into a conversation with Ralph last night where we were talking about, uh, uh, we, we were playing silver bayonet and, uh, we had Leroy from uh, Las Vegas was sitting in, uh, good guy. So we're all talking, the three of us, and we were kind of talking about like the hobby and you know uh, uh, keeping the hobby. The 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 fact that I mentioned that Nick is a young guy and he plays, and so we kind of we have younger guys in our guild. And Brauf was was talking about, hey, yeah, you know, you got to have these games. And and I said, fuck it. It's not my job to fucking get guys into the hobby. That's GMT's job like I and again, people won't agree with this. But if I die, I don't care if the last Wargamer in the world dies the day after I die because I'm not around anymore. (laughs) So like, I don't care what happens to Wargaming the second I'm dead. That's it. It's over so it's not my job to recruit new people and get them playing
0: yeah no.
1: you know the gmt should be out uh showing people games and teaching people words. this happened in the miniatures hobby all the time where they want us to run games like playing games to to recruit new guys and uh basically we were doing all the work for the companies and i don't i don't agree with it i think uh if if companies aren't going to make and I, but i see it it's relative when we talk about gts where i'm like they're making products that are not accessible to new guys like a new like i bought case blue as one of my first board games when i was getting back into board gaming that's ridiculous i never should have bought that game
0: yeah you're glad you
1: did actually, though yeah but i don't know if i've ever actually laid case blue out and played it very often you know it sits in a box and i say hey i've got case blue
0: (laughs) you can use it as a meme online that's right. That's, yeah, the most. Oh, don't even get me started on that fucking
1: thing. <laughs> <laughs> to be, I'm, that makes me so angry. <laughs> yeah. But but my point is, I guess that you know, like, um, it's cool to get younger people into gaming and everything, and that's cool. But that's not my job. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to. I guess the way in the way we are doing it. <laughs> so maybe that's accidental that we have a podcast where we promote wargaming, but but the industry doesn't support us. So like.
0: Right. Uh, if any, if you know, anything, us supporting the hobby ended up being secondary. It was just an excuse for us to get together and shoot. No, the that's show. right. But if
1: anything, it's like yeah, if exactly. anything, it's like we basically provide good PR for the the industry, and then the industry treats us like we're like I don't know, like <laughs> fucking
0: we're <lovers>. hate
2: <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't want anything to do with us
0: officially. Yeah. Officially, but you- yeah, I understand that.
2: But on the same level with Dave, you don't want to be their their shills the whole time either. So. Right. But we're, yep. we're giving honest feedback. That's
1: here. why we refuse to accept review copies. And Jason, uh, how many review copies have we been offered?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, think like I. But I adamantly refuse them when they when those <laughs> offers come through. Yeah, I, I think like
1: I remember when we had Keith as a host. He thought that I, I had mentioned something about how I would feel weird taking a review copy because I feel like if you're going to review the game, part of the rage inside of me is the amount of money that I paid out of my pocket for the game, yeah. and I don't know. If, I'm looking at you where there is Discord. Right, and I don't know if I could. Um, put that out there and like, honestly, if you get the game for free, you know, and and then like they mentioned with some other podcasts where they're basically just doing box rips and just talking about the games um, and how much are they playing. And if you don't have, if your wallet's not invested in the game, are you really giving like a good review for a guy who's gonna have to pay for the game? Like, because I have found, I have gotten games for free before. I tend to like the free games better. Than the ones yeah. I pay for. I I mean, I I'm not sophisticated enough to to see that in myself. <laughs> you know, like I tend to be more forgiving of games that I didn't pay a lot of money for. So
2: it's probably human yeah.
1: nature. All right. Well, that's that. I don't know if anybody has anything else they want to beat beat so, beat that <laughs> <horse.
2: laughs> No. Now let's let's review some games we paid for. <laughs> that's right. So,
1: yeah, so that's the long way of me saying I took, I made the hard choice of taking Operation Mercury off, even though I loved Crete. I love the Fallschirmjägers that hold the whole battles awesome. Mm-hmm. I just was like, too much? I'm like, come on. And the
0: system is great. It's just, it's just too yeah, much. Yeah,
1: it's great. It's just, but too much money for me to kind of learn it again. So, all
2: right. Uh, I'm too much of a whore for the Brits fighting yeah. Crete. So. I'll, John's
1: version. I'll just play John and Vassal. Uh, there you go. All right, so John, you have a game you want to review?
2: Yeah, I'll talk about uh, Liberty or Death, which I picked up after it got sold out. My local game store had a copy, and I got the fever when people were talking about it, and I picked it up. Um, so I paid full price, which Very was nice. probably a, a stupid idea, <laughs> but I pulled it's it out. It's the old impulse um, buy.
1: You gotta, it's the price you pay is. for impulse.
2: Well, and actually, I think it's a good it's a good choice. Um, if, if you've played the coin games, you know, the basic system, there's a few tweaks with the coin system, which I think are in justified for, for what they're doing. Uh, you know how, if you play the coin, there's a, a propaganda or a coup card that comes up. Um, in this case, it's a winter quarters card that comes up at, and it's supposed to symbolize a year of campaigning, which I think is a nice, uh, it's a more concrete way of abstracting it out, um, it's a little bit different in that you have really two sides in, in the game. You have the uh, Americans, or the pa- what they call the patriots and the French, versus the British and the, and the Native Americans, the Indians. Um, and really, it's the British and the Americans are the primary factors in this, although the French and the Indians play uh, significant supporting roles. Uh, it's also interesting in that the French start off off the board and they have to build up their resources to come on with a uh, uh, play their treaty of alliance with with the with the Patriots to come on. Hey, board. hey, hey John, so a really...
1: question. I mean, you might have mentioned it, but yes. do you have to have four players to play?
2: No, you do not have to have four players. And, and they have put a lot of work in um, creating a, a, what they call a bot system for each each player so you can you can play the whole game as any side with as a sol- solo game it's i'm still working out exactly how the best way to play it and they have a, a whole series of detailed if then solutions and they've got a whole slew of player aids that really are quite clear in, in what you need to do to go through it it's a remarkably well done graphically game um i have I've only played the coin game before with a, a distant plane, and my feeling after playing a distant plane was it's okay game. Yeah, yeah the, I, map,
1: the map in Liberty or Death looks great.
2: Yeah, it does. Uh, I, I get a better feel for the Liberty or Death than I did for a distant yeah, plane. Yeah, this distant plane's that- map
1: looks like something you'd see on USA Today in their political section or like yeah. on a Fox <laughs> News, like on a, on a green board at Fox News.
2: Correct, correct. And 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 the gameplay for a distant plane was okay, but I I was a bit underwhelmed by a distant plane. Um, I'm I'm enjoying a, a Liberty or Death, and maybe that's a reflection on what I'm interested in and the time period I'm interested right. in. But it so far it looks like a really good game. Uh, there's a lot of options in it. There's a lot of uh, a depth to it, and it it feels like it. I feel like I'm actually reproducing the revolution. Behind, now, off the, so. not to put you on the spot,
1: but off the top of your head, are there any like cool cards that you remember when you were playing it?
2: Oh, there are a couple cool cards, but I can't think of them off the top of my head because I've my my alcohol level. Oh is no, I understand, right but like so, so but I, <laughs> I guess the idea is
1: so. Uh, like, if a card comes up, obviously it's historical, uh, so it's yeah. like maybe George Washington or Von Steuben does this or.
2: Yeah, and there's some there's some uh, 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 intellectual ones. Uh, I can't think of what, but there's like a Benedict Arnold card. Oh, that's, cool. that's there. Really cool. Yeah, so so there's 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 a lot of depth in, and he's, I they clearly know what they're talking about. And there's different Indian tribes were mentioned, uh, different French leaders. Uh, the leaders you have individual leaders in there, and they can change over time as the years progress. Um, and I don't know if I like that or not, but it's it's an interesting bit of. Crime. And it's similar like, oh. to
1: the old games where you have like actions and then like special actions.
2: Yes. Okay. yeah.
1: Like each side has different yeah. stuff that they can do.
2: Correct, correct, and they have different goals. Um, you have two, so basically, it's you have two sides. It's either the British or, British and their allies are going to win, or the uh, the Patriots and their allies are going to win. But it's a level of a uh, scale. Of who's going to win
0: among them. That so, is it side sense. then individual, or just sides win together?
2: Yeah, you sides together. So, wow, that's uh, cool. Uh, so, if for example, if the the British go into a battle against the Patriots and they have uh, Indian war parties with them, the the British control what the Indian war parties are doing in the battle, and mm-hmm. if the Patriots with the French allies are going into battle. They control what the French are doing. So the French and the Indians are kind of secondary figures, but they can they can really throw a kink in the works by some of the actions that they can do and they don't. Oh, do. So the, basically, is it
1: like, did you ever play that, uh, what was that, uh, not 1775, but 1812, where Invasion of Canada, where they can bring you can drag other guys' forces into fights with you.
2: It's like that. Yes, there is an a- a aspect of that. the The, uh, the British can drag the uh, Native American tribes, and the Amer- and the Patriots can drag the French in. Yeah, because that was always a cool yes.
1: part of that game where you could drag another guy's forces and make him fight for you. <laughs> for your
2: yeah, and there, and there are limitations of what you can do because you can't drag the the Native American tribe uh, uh, war parties through cities. Uh, so they have to, they they have to stay in the in the rural Yeah, the people would just would not put up with that. Yeah,
1: they're exactly. like that's outrageous. It violates their HOA.
2: Yeah, It's it's impressive the level of thought that's gone in behind the, the liberty or death. I mean, clearly uh, Harold Buchanan know, knew the the time period pretty well. Yeah, I have a
1: Facebook friend request from him. I guess I should honor that request.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. For some reason, he Facebook friended me, and I accepted it. Now, I I don't think he really knew who I was, but I, well,
1: now he will. He will after today. that's right. He will if you give. Me. Well, I have to say, John, um, this is not a game that I was. I'm not a big coin fan, but I'm starting to lean towards maybe the historical coin games might be what I want.
2: I I would agree with you. I don't like the the, the more recent ones, and maybe that's a reflection on my own. Prejudices because I don't really like modern wargaming as much as historical.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so. interesting. I think I'm,
2: and that makes me wonder if the Gaul game is good too. So now I have to
1: figure out that one.
2: And it looked nice when I saw it at GMT, but I'm going to hold back a little bit.
1: <laughs> now has this game sold out already?
2: Oh it motherfuckers! But, that's so, Are you that, kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am convinced they're going to put that through the pike and reproduce it quickly. Oh, well, sure. I would hope so. Because yeah, it sold, sold out, out immediately. Like that's
0: very ridiculous. quickly. Yeah.
2: Ugh,
1: so annoying. All right, this is what this is what well, creates this panicked buying that we go through. <laughs> like this is what you try to explain to <laughs> your wife, like it's like it might not be available.
2: But tomorrow. I need it. Yeah. Well, I mean. The same thing happened with Talon after you guys hyped it up, and I went out and bought that damn thing, too. Well, well, I've
1: learned (laughs) what I've learned, and this is, again, the industry hates us, blah, blah, blah. Uh, What I've learned is I buy the game before we talk about it on the podcast because if we talk about Uh, the games... that's a good move. Do not talk about a game that you're in. Like Shield of Chome, when Rex reviewed it, I'm like, okay, it's out of print, okay, that's fine. But if there's a game that's on the edge uh make sure you have a copy before we review it because they will go quickly and that it's very tough to get uh that type of information from companies because i've tried to ask them before like hey i was just curious we review they don't want to tell you they don't want to i guess they don't want to let you know what the bump is or
0: that aac bump
1: yeah i think or they're oblivious (laughs) to it you know who knows
2: (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's the the aac blip
0: No,
1: I think I think that's why I, I want to say with NWS, uh, Chris has offered to, to help us out with our convention, and we'll see what form that takes. But um, we do steer a lot of businesses away, but we don't do it because I think NWS has given us money. Uh, we do it no. because NWS gives really good deals on stuff. And I've always said that the second they don't, then we'll steer people elsewhere. But... Um, right. Like like
0: and he's communicative, right? Like he he gives feedback. He's you know, he he gives the the attention and it's it's very Well, I think Braxton's gotten hey, into you know? some scraps. Braxton doesn't not a not a fan. Braxton's not a fan. of Chris. Uh,
2: there's there's more than one people who have had a scrap with him, but I've never had an issue but with him. But like them. I, like
1: other companies that are good too. I did uh did a deal when I bought uh shoes I got it from Gamer's Armory because NWS didn't have it. And, uh, they charged me $20 shipping for PayPal for my, my rat pack charts and my, uh, chum. And I was kind of like, Ooh, that's a little steep. But in two days they refunded me eight and a half bucks on shipping. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it ended up being 1150. Cool. They didn't have to refund all that. Cause I was going to buy regardless. To be honest, I would have swallowed the $20 shipping and be like, yeah, I'm getting fucked, but whatever. Um, but uh, the fact that they refunded that money to my PayPal account was pretty cool. So, but yeah, so I say that to basically say that there's a bunch of places you can get stuff from, but what I tend to do is I'll, I'll shopping part, everything, put it in there with the shipping and all that. I have had uh, NWS refund shipping before too, when it's not the same amount, but generally NWS is pretty good. The downside is you you there's a delay in getting the product, especially if you have a pre-order product that's part of your package. Uh, you're not going to get the rest of the stuff soon. So,
2: but but NWS is good about getting you a good price.
1: I'll have to- yeah, it's, but the, but the, the important thing to remember is if you pop a pre order item in with your order, you're gonna it's gonna there's a chance it's gonna all wait for that pre order to come through. Like uh, I ordered the, the Pocket ASL book, but I'd also ordered Journal Eleven, and uh, I had to wait for Journal Eleven to come because there is a delay for when he gets it. MMP is going to do all their pre orders to their their own pre order people first, and then I guess they pump it out to the retailer. So, but yeah, I found it pretty fair. So, that's it. That's all I'll say. We'll see. And I'll, I mean, I'm not going to, we're not, we're transparent. So, if Chris contributes to the convention, uh, we'll tell you exactly how much he contributed. I mean, if he sends us 42 cents. We'll let you know.
0: <laughs> Good on. Him. But I've had a lot of guys tell me it's that, more than any other.
1: Well, I've had a lot of guys tell me, "Hey, uh, I bought stuff through NWS. I never even knew about them until I heard about them on the podcast. So it's not our intent to really advertise for them. We're we're really just trying to show people where there's there's cheap ways, you know, where they can get the best bang for their buck for game. So so we're not we're not shills for anybody. That'll never happen because we're not. We have, we have issues. We're not
0: popcorn. We have issues. We're not polished enough to shill. Because I scream stuff at conventions
1: when I'm at, at dinners with apparently P- VIP people from the conventions. I yell stuff
0: at waitresses <laughs> in the middle of the restaurant. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, so Jason. When a game's shitty, we say it's shitty.
1: Do You got a game uh, you want to talk about here? I think I'm excited about this, Jason, one, but I have to go get a beer. Oh,
2: pardon. My bride and my oldest daughter are watching The Big Lebowski right now. So.
0: <laughs> Very nice. That is good. Hey, so
1: I've got this. Uh, do you guys get Firestone out where you're at? Yes, quite good beer.
0: The beer? Yeah, that's good it stuff. It is good. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm drinking their Pale 31 uh, Firestone Walker. Really good. Nice. Uh, John, are you on like a... Are you like on a treadmill or like, uh, sounds like you're doing like some kind of cross country skiing machine training no. for the next marathon.
2: Just scratching. You sanding, you
1: sanding a piece of wood,
2: Scratching <laughs> my voluminous body. So,
1: so there, there's, there's the sanding a piece of wood. Okay. That's, that explains the sound. Uh, yeah. Firestone's pretty good. My wife likes the 805. They do. That's a big one that they make. And, uh, but I really like this one. I I got their double barrel that I was drinking,
0: and the yeah, that I think DBA the pale is good. One's really good. Yeah,
1: DBA is my favorite of those. Yeah, it is really good, good, right? But I, I'm telling you, try the Pale Thirty-One. It's not too hoppy. It's a very mild pale ale, so I like it. Nice. It's, it's right it's right out here, Southern California.
2: They have another one called the Velvet Merlin, which I thought was the Velvet Merkin for a while. So. <laughs>
1: Oh, and also we had the
2: grapefruit sculpin for a couple episodes. Do not try the pineapple
1: sculpin; that is not the way to go. For that
2: year. sounds like regurgitation coming. So
1: yeah, it's like just not working. The pineapple and the hops are not working together the way the grapefruit is pretty good, but the pineapple, no. All right. So, uh, Jason, you got something for us?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm going to put myself on continuous uh, while I'm doing this and. Full disclosure, we were about 30 minutes in and my wife dropped the baby off to me because she's taking the older kids to see um, the terrible Batman movie that's out in theaters. <clears throat> so I have a, a second guest host with me here. So you might so, hear him rummaging, rummaging around in the background.
2: So he's he's, in, he's immune to obscenities right now, yeah. <laughs> he is,
0: yeah, for the time being. And he's staring at me, not wondering why I'm not talking to him. I'm going to talk about uh, Warfighter, um, which I guess now I should have the the subtitle on it: the Tactical Special Forces card game. Um, I wasn't planning on this, but uh, you know, I started playing this last month after we recorded, in, in anticipation of this. And DVG actually has a World War II version up on Kickstarter right now. Um, that's actually relatively reasonably priced, um, so. If you know World War Two is your bag, maybe maybe get into that one. Um, this is modern uh, modern conflicts, hypothetical conflicts. And when uh, you say modern, so it's like
1: you can be any kind of you can be any kind of modern guys, like Russians or. or...
0: There are expansions for that for like Russians and British, um, but there's it, it's kind of set between two two settings, it's either like Middle East um, like insurgents or Middle East uh, military or um, like a drug cartel in the jungle. Okay. So that's, that's, that's kind of the three settings that you can have. So um, I guess right off the bat when you open when you open the game, um, the components in general are okay. Um, the cards are a little cheesy because they use photographs, um, that like, you know, Kickstarter backers or whatever submitted. Um, so some of those are a little hokey. Um, you know, some of the CGI bad guys are a little hokey the the board or the map, I guess, um, because it's, it's paper is, is pretty awful and it's not functional um what happens during the the game is you're going to be laying cards out on the map that are locations and those locations will have enemy cards kind of engaging um the units that are there and the map isn't set up in a way to facilitate that um it looks like they've fixed that in the world war ii version it's just a row um which makes a lot more sense there is or there are two fan-made maps that are on BoardGameGeek. Um, I printed one of them out, and it's much more functional. Um, it makes the game not necessarily easier to play, but it makes it flow a little bit better.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I'm looking at this one. This guy is my tabletop simulator version of Warfighter. It's crazy.
0: Is it the one with like the um, the Afghanistan map on it, or is it, like the digital? The digital one. Yeah, it looks it's like digital. It yeah. I printed out the other one. Actually, I printed out them both, but I liked the uh, the kind of modern, contemporary map, um, and it's 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 quite functional. So basically, what you're going to be doing is is you pick a mission, you pick an objective, um, you're going to do a loadout, and then you're gonna you're gonna play the mission out. Um, you get a loadout based on points that are that are listed on the objective um and then and then you're basically just playing cards from your hand to 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 take actions um or to facilitate actions um and it it plays pretty smoothly uh with a game like this i was anticipating for some reason to want to hold on to cards um thinking because you have to use an action to refill your hand so you, you feel like you would want to Hold on to cards as much as possible, but you actually end up burning through cards pretty quickly, and that's very important to play the game well. Um, the The combat you roll, you, you're going to roll a number of dice, but either a um, it's always a d6 in this game to to check cover. Um, the The defender will have a cover number on their card, um, and you have to. Beat that in order to be able to inflict a hit, uh, and then roll on your weapon to see if you hit. And basically, how it works is, um, if one of them hits, it's a suppression. If they both hit, it's a it's a hit. It's a wound marker.
1: Now, are um, you using those weird those weird uh, dice that are bullets?
0: No. Um, oh, in full disclosure, I did get this game for free. I got this game through the the White Duck Exchange, um, and it did not come with those bullet dice, which I'm glad. I don't. I have no interest in using. Um, so I'm just using regular D6s and D10s.
2: The white duck, can can just random people jump in on that? On what? <laughs> on the white duck? Yeah. <laughs> Six I, months after the fact. Yeah, that's just a bad joke. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, so I'm not sure if it simulates combat very well I mean it's 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 a die roll um, but it does a decent job and it, it actually gets through combat pretty quickly um, and it's fairly well balanced I think the way you know you can suppress an enemy without necessarily inflecting the, the it's pretty easy to suppress somebody it's also fairly easy to get suppressed um, so it's you know not really a quibble there it's just kind of it's fairly abstract uh, but for a card game that that makes sense to me um to me playing it i i it made it it was very reminiscent of the also dvg game space infantry um but that doesn't have cards that's all dice based and chit based um but i think this actually and i i love space infantry but i think this actually does a better job um i think a lot of people will like the the beginning part of it so you know if if you're into like Call of Duty or something where you're kind of hanging out your guys before you go into battle and picking the guns, that's a pretty big portion of this game. Is you have your you know your your points that you can spend, and do you pick them on on knee pads to enable this, or you know don't forget a canteen, don't forget a med pack. Um, I'm not really a gear guy, so that doesn't really do it for me. Um, and i'm also not huge on like picking a scenario like oh this is what i want to do i'm more i want to sit down and play like a, a structured game like in most robux where it's a scenario that says this is what you're doing these are your guys go play the go play the scenario out thankfully someone on boardgamegeek did um 100 random scenarios that they put together so they're not you know none of these are necessarily going to be balanced they're all random even if you put them together yourself um, so those. It is kind of cool. It is
1: kind of cool. cool that you get like some kind of ability for having I mean, sunglasses. Right.
0: Yeah. Like there's something there's as
1: simple as sunglasses.
0: Interesting cards in there. Right. Yeah, and, and they I'm all do at, stuff. Like, it's the not just... grips. hmm
1: Yeah, yeah, like like forward grip, like like I guess it makes your burst ability better. I mean that that would make sense, or you have yeah, yeah. a shotgun. That's cool. Right, the, I think it
0: looks kind of cool. The cards are very well thought out, and and some of the stuff like oh yeah, I wouldn't think about knee pads, but. You know when I was in urban fighting for l- lack of a better term, I had knee pads on, like you know it's um you know having goggles having having sunglasses makes a lot of sense when you're fighting in the but desert. Did,
2: you, did you pick that or were you told to take that
0: uh we we were issued them, but we were not required to wear them um
1: so yeah they yeah they didn't in, in the of army. Food. Now, now in the army, you only have knee pads for counseling <laughs> sessions. They're they're issued prior to accounts, closed door counseling sessions with your platoon leader. You get called to the carpet.
0: Um, and and even the special abilities, um, some of them are are redundant, but but they do make a make sense. So if you are that kind of loadout gear guy, there's a lot of room to play here. Um, what I do in general is I use the. Um, I'm kind of making my way slowly through these hundred scenarios. Um, and I'll look at the loadout that they give and tweak it a little bit. So if there's you know, I was a saw gunner, so I sometimes like to carry the saw or, you know, have a shotgun with me or whatever. Um but it's I I like being able to have a, a cleaner start point rather than doing it all from scratch because doing it from scratch takes almost as long as it takes to play the game. Um and enjoyment out of that portion of it to, to do that. But it, it is there if, if, if you like that kind of stuff.
1: Um, okay, so basically you can either get a guy that's already equipped with all this shit, or you can get a guy and you can customize what he has.
0: Well, what, what I did is I downloaded a form that somebody put together that has all these scenarios in there and load okay. out. So it's okay. like, this is your this is your main guy, these are your your sub-squads, this, this is your loadout, uh, And I take that and tweak it rather than from hey, you have 80 points for this scenario, go spend it. Um, but, yeah, because I'm looking
1: at all the stuff on the cards. I mean, there's you could get lost yeah. in all the stuff yeah, you can buy for... It.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's always good to have uh, frags and... What else is there that... Uh, that I'm thinking of ah, It doesn't matter. Um, I should also say, I didn't realize this until about two weeks ago. Um, Campbell also reviewed this game. A while ago i think when it first came out um and i meant to go back and listen to it that's right i didn't get a chance to do that it was very quiet (laughs) it was a very quiet review (laughs) um so that's it i mean it's it's so there's the jungle there's the desert military and there's the desert insurgents so you can kind of see roughly what they're what they're modeling there um some of the scenarios are a lot of fun um and all of the games I've played of it, have been very tense and have come down to, you know, a, a card play or a die roll during the last turn or at the last objective. Um, you can get taken out pretty quickly if, if, you know, you get ganged up on by a bunch of enemies all at once uh, when you're not expecting it or not ready for it or when your hand's not ready for it. So it is, you know, it's a card and dice game. It's pretty random, um, but it's for what it is, it's very light, um, but it's a lot of fun uh it's it's uh, the dvg games for some reason i don't like like oh man i need to get phantom leader back on a table or i need to get warfighter back on a table warfighter a little bit more than phantom leader but when yeah. i'm playing it
1: now so but this is a solo game right but it, you can also play with a, with a bunch of players right
0: you can i think it's like one to six players um So I'm wondering if it would be a cool game for conventions because it's so light and you know, you can hand somebody a stack of cars and say, this is your guy, you know, let's, let's go for it. Um, I I think it would be good for that. And it's, it's light enough that, you know, if they need to duck out, somebody else can play them or whatever. Um,
1: Yeah. I don't play, I don't play any DVG games. So like some of the, these companies that we review, uh, I have like no experience with, but I think this one looks interesting because I'd like to have a good solitary mm-hmm. game. And, and you know,
0: I, I'm wondering if the, the World War II one, which I don't know, I'm on the verge of kickstarting. Um, I wonder if that might be more your speed. This, this is fun. I think they're refining it a little bit in this next iteration. Um, it's very expandable. They have a ton of expansions for it. You know, with different militaries, different types of weapons, um, so it's cool. I mean, it's it's a light game. I'm not going to throw a ton of money into it, getting all the crazy falconer expansions and stuff that, that they're putting out. But uh, as a as a light, you know, 45 minute to an hour game on How a on a it? Saturday, it's 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 fun for that. How much was it? Um, I got it through the white duck, so I don't know. Um, I think it retails okay. for. Forty-five. It's like forty bucks. Yeah. yeah, it's forty bucks of cool stuff. Yeah, there you go. Okay. I mean, for that, it's it's definitely worth that price tag for sure.
1: No, I think it looks good. I think the art looks kind of interesting. I think the art looks kind of cool. So yeah, you know, like I, I said, might, some of it's photographs
0: and. I like that. Like he, they really put some thought into it, and they and they reached out to the community and said, "Hey, do you want you know your military pictures to be on this on these cards?" Um, which is which is cool. Just some of them are a little a little hokey. Um, you know, you see some but, you see some tubby staff sergeant, and you're like, yeah, you have all that gear that you're probably never going to use. Um, but you know, maybe that's why. But, but like you
1: mentioned. Something as simple as knee pads, uh, anybody who's done any kind of tactical like fire type stuff or weapon stuff. Yeah. Like if you're going to drop on your knees, like it does give you an extra movement point knowing that you can just Mm -hmm. drop on concrete and not blow out your fucking kneecaps. Uh, as opposed to doing the, oh, I'm going to put my arm down and slowly <laughs> lower myself. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I, when I saw the loadout for the equipment for the weapons, I thought it was very practical and I thought it made yep. sense. And uh, I got to say, I'm kind of interested more Good. now. Like, like Campbell's review left me cold, <laughs> but your review has inspired I'm, me to maybe buy this
0: game. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit warmer, which is saying something. I'm just, I'm just kidding, Campbell. Don't, <laughs> Campbell, don't it's get all love offended.
1: Love.
2: It, it's the Cam-
0: bromance that's coming right. out here. That's right.
1: Campbell will get all offended now. He's still mad at me about my thing about <laughs> picking up up in a dirt lot somewhere. So he's all mad at me, but that's still... He won't come out and play with me anymore. <laughs>
2: So, so Jason, you're saying this is a good kind of late-night game to play with a bunch of people at a con? I,
0: I haven't done that, but I could see it being that. Um, I've only played it solo, um, but it, it does that really well, and and adding people, I think, isn't going to add really any more time, necessarily. Um, it might actually be a little bit more effective and make some of the the objectives a little bit easier, which, for a convention with a group is really kind of what you want. You don't want a big, thinky, hard slog. You want you know, something light that you can drink whiskey with. And, and the,
1: the, the, the threat, obviously, uh, John, John just reached into a giant bag of Doritos <laughs> while I was talking, but uh, basically the threat... Uh, there are
2: no Doritos here. The
1: threat scales with the number of players, right? So, like, if you have five guys, then the threat's higher. There's some scalability? Uh,
0: I don't believe so, but you're limited in your loadout. Um, so you still have the same amount of points that you're trying to spread between, you know, five people. So not everyone's okay. going to be as yeah, well I I, Oh, I see. So you have to spread out the
1: value, right? With, to divide it up. But 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 each character has some basic skills that they they bring to the table. Right. Yep.
0: Yeah, so it's cool. I think no, I think it sounds cool because this
1: this sounds to me like the kind of game that I could like while my wife is watching Real Horse of Orange <laughs> County, I could throw this down on the coffee table and run through a couple rounds. And, you know.
0: Yeah, it does take up a little bit of real estate. The map is, I think, twenty-four by thirty-six, and you kind of have to have, you know, your your uh, your counter tray out. But you know, n- n- it's not an eleven by seventeen game by any stretch. But it's not a huge monster that that you'll have stacks of counters out. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty portable from that perspective. Is it
2: is it heavy heavy on the beer? <clears throat> c- oh categories? yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and,
0: and again, it's one of those games, uh, Danvers and Games. I don't like how they structure their rules. I'm not sure. Goes into it because they're kind of scatter shot. Uh, I don't know if they walk you through. I don't know. It their rule books don't make any sense to me. N- none of them. Um, but the information is clear when you can find it. Um, so, but th- that being said, it's one of those games that it's light enough that, um, and I think Dave might talk about this later. Is it doesn't matter. You know, like at the end of the day, what. You know, what is this rule? Well, you know, let's do, what it's modeling. I'm fairly familiar with, so let me just make a call and roll some dice. You know, play a card, roll some dice, and, and just kind of get get it out. Um, this the suit goes to play covers most of the information you need, and once you've played a game or two, it's the rules kind of seat themselves pretty well, even in my dense brain, which I always like. Oh, that sounds good. That's interesting. <clears throat> so, for fun, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, you know, it's a it's a solid game. It's a lot of fun, but it's not a not necessarily a must own um, for beers. Let's give it the full twelve. Um, you know, you can get pretty shit faced and and still have a, a blast playing it. And you know, and <laughs> as as much as I am not sentimental, I I sure take it to heart when my guys die in games like these. Yes.
1: Yeah, so are you gonna rename them with all our guild names so we I can should actually I fight should, out the battles? Yeah, you should do that. Like John did those. John, you did that right? Where you did yeah, the, I did the that bombing with missions? Yeah, and, and uh, that was fucking hilarious. Most of
2: ended up in, in a prison camp. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that
1: was that was so. so John would run these B seventeen missions mm-hmm. and like have all of us working the different positions in the guns. I think I made it back to the. I was you wounded, did. but I made yeah, it you back. you
2: were you were seriously wounded and had to leave home. And the next mission, everybody went to the prison camp. That's awesome. I
1: met, a, I, met, I met a nice Scottish lass and then <laughs> settled down in England.
0: I made her a wife. He
2: a Scottish boy, so you never know. Easy. Whiskey!
0: <laughs> so I'm going to go back to push a Talk and get my background. He's out of the mix. Okay. No, you're fine.
1: So, so what's your boy doing? Is he just staring at you?
0: He's chewing on my computer, which um, I should probably attend to. Can you give him a pair of
1: tweezers to chew on or something, or is there <laughs> something yeah, he could be? jam
0: right in the back of his throat.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, like, let's, let's get him started early. Is a piece of plexi he could lick, or is there something
0: he could... He does like grabbing the counters. I'll wake up in the morning and grab them so that my wife can sleep, and he likes give, to sit at the working table
2: and pound on it. Ten-sided dice he can chew on. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah just the perfect yeah. esophagus size.
1: Yeah, that's uh, the sixer is probably the better for not fitting down the two. Okay, so I have a game that I'm going to review that um, I got. Uh, everyone knows, anyone who listens to the podcast knows I'm a big fan of East Front 2, uh, Columbia Games System. I think it's a very elegant combat system. Um, but what I'm actually going to talk about is Eurofront because Gersh is going through one of his uh, shedding phases, so Gersh buys, 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 builds a nice <laughs> fur coat for the winter, and then sheds all the games when Springtime comes.
2: Sells everything away. God bless so, him for it. Yeah, so don't, he, he's done us all well, hasn't he?
1: Yes, yeah, so don't, don't buy with the pre-orders. Just wait for Gersh to start shedding, because that's usually the magic moment where, uh, and I don't know if someone triggers it, if someone sends a text to his wife that says, Gersh has a lot of games, I think it's time for there to be some cutbacks on the game supply but there's we get these giant announcements which are basically giant sales of all gersh's games and then you'll notice that gersh's kickstarting games later on so no one knows why these yeah. happen but don't don't complain about the cycles just enjoy them and profit from them indeed so so i had the chance to get euro front from gersh and i would kind of been waiting i own east i obviously own an east front i love it um Basically, the deal with east front is its blocks, and I'm, I'm going to really try to give this quick, but the blocks have steps, usually like one to four or whatever, and you roll a number of dice equal to number of steps, and then based on the, the type of unit, uh, you it's a six-sided die, if it's an inf- unit hit on the six. If it's a a unit that an armored unit, you might hit on a five or a six or if it's an SS unit, you might hit on a four or five or six. So basically, the more steps you have, the more dice you roll, the better unit you are, the the better your dice results get. So that's the way combat works in uh, East Front. So it's very simple. But uh, the nice thing about East Front is, while there's that part of the combat system that's very easy to play, there's also uh, a system where supply is very important and stay in staying your rail lines and if you're cut off from your rail lines during your opponent's phase every unit in that's cut off loses a step automatically so um, supply is actually one of the most important parts of the game and the interesting part of it is like i mentioned if i do an attack as the germans and i cut off the soviets the soviets lose uh, strength points Block step points in my turn, not in their turn. So I immediately they don't get a chance to try to reestablish <clears> supply <throat> before they start losing guys, and it's it's automatic. So the the other interesting thing about the game, the way it works in, in on a big perspective, is the way headquarters are used. So uh, you might have a headquarters that's a three headquarters, and that's a really awesome headquarters. It's like the best one you could have. It means that if you activate it. Its range for allowing units to move is three. So anyone within three of it, when it starts, gets to move. And then uh, depending on what you try to do with it, usually I'm gonna go with the combat situation. If you decide to support combat with that headquarters, every unit uh, within three of that headquarters then gets to fight at full strength. Otherwise they would fight at half strength. You also get like air support that you can use with them, which would be their three so once you use them as a three then you flip them down to a two so the next time uh you use them they're only to allow guys within two to move and guys within two to fight and then the next time they would get then they get reduced the next time it's one and one and so so they lose effectiveness so you're always struggling in uh, in east front and west front frankly over your headquarters, really, because they're the most expensive units. To move them up a step from a one to a two is ten points and ten production points. And you might have like – Germany might have 60 production points for for its whole country. So there's some really tough decisions and you can only move up one in a turn. So you might have like a, a three headquarters and you blitz it to move it to a two and then you blitz it and then the blitz moves it down to a one during the blitz phase. Well, now you know starting next turn, it's only going to be a two. So uh, the the game really does a cool job of reflecting the logistical requirements of launching large-scale offensives uh, with the way it handles headquarters and the costs. And so every time you flip headquarters, you're like, well, there's 10 production points down the tubes. You know, we're going to get those back. So... So that's an overview of how uh, East Front, West Front works. So generally, East Front is obviously going to be Germans versus Russians. West Front focuses more on like uh, the landings in France. Um, And obviously, if you're going to have a game where you're talking about fighting in France and D-Day, there's much more focus on sea invasions and how that happens and... And so there's a lot of rules. So West Front is a little bit more focused on that. What Eurofront does is Eurofront basically takes both of these games, packages them together in one big system, and says, "Hey, we're going to fight the whole European World War II using these
0: rules." And does it package them together? or combines them. Do you have to have both games, or is it both games? Hidden? No,
1: you. No, yeah, you have to have both games. Okay, you can't you you can't play Eurofront without both games. And I want to say that the maps are from Eurofront, that Eurofront provides the maps. Hmm, Cool. And it it basically provides a lot of the uh, special rules for how to work everything together and uh, how the whole system. So Eurofront comes with the Spanish – one of the cool aspects is it comes with the Spanish Civil War as a side game. And you can actually fight the Spanish Civil War and then the result – have that be the leadoff into World War (laughs) II. That's awesome right so that it's kind of like the tactical game that comes with eurofront if you wanted to play it and and so traditionally like the all the Axis counter all the access blocks are black and they have the stickers on them and all the allied blocks are are blue and all the soviet blocks are red uh what's cool about eurofront is it then gives you blocks for different sides so you might get for spain uh allied blocks and Axis blocks or for uh, Norway, Allied or Axis, depending on which ways these countries go in the campaign. So, where like Finland might have been German or Axis, maybe Finland is Soviet. So, I don't want to get into too much about the stuff. But uh, basically, the, the biggest thing that Eurofront tacks on to the game is... Uh, it, de- it, it introduces this whole idea of alliances and diplomatic events. So when you start a turn, there's a diplomatic phase. Um, if you were to declare war on a country, there's a chance that other countries are obviously going to uh, – if you declare war on Hungary, uh, that affects Bulgaria, Romania, Yugoslavia. So there's charts where you roll to see what's going to happen with those countries based on that decision. And so they, they give you a couple tables that kind of decide it. Uh, the other uh, interesting thing is – that you can actually betray a minor allied country. So uh, sometimes the Germans will want to take Gibraltar and it's hard for them to do it because Spain is usually fascist and allied with Germany and Spain's not real keen with the Germans just running roughshod through Spain. But you can betray Spain if you want to, even though they're your ally and you can then try to take out Gibraltar for a different type of uh, strategic win and uh, the, the downside is once you betray and a friendly ally then that affects the way all the other allies see you. So, so it's kind of a betrayal is kind of a big deal. So the, the big thing in the game is, uh, for Eurofront is called something called diplomatic events. And these are, these are choices that you make at the beginning of each turn. You basically, if you meet the prerequisites for a particular mm-hmm. event, you're going to say, I want to do this event," and, and some of them are like, uh, like when I look at the Soviets, uh, Let's see like like for example after the germans uh, defeat poland they can do phony war so they do as their diplomatic event phony war and what phony war does is the allies can't declare war on anybody and france can only build one step a month and these prerequisites all build with each other so there are times where basically uh the Soviets might want to do some events. The Soviets initially start with very expensive troops. When I mentioned the headquarters, how bad it was for headquarters, they're 10 production points per step. When the game starts, the Soviets are at 20 points, production points per step for headquarters. And it reflects the fact that they you know, their military is so fucked up from all the purges and everything. The only way for the Soviets to really get up and get back up to where they're competitive with the allies or, or the Axis forces is uh to start war with finland so the soviets initially uh the, one of the first things they want to do is declare winter war so when i look at the soviet diplomatic events and the, the other interesting thing about it is the soviets and the allies uh basically the axis picks a diplomatic event or maybe the allies so the, basically the axis gets to pick one and then the allies and soviets get to pick one but The Allies and Soviets, it's set up to kind of be a three-player game. They have to agree on who is going to pick the event. And if they don't agree, they don't get to pick one. So (laughs) so you, you can get in situations where the Allies are like, well, we want to help out Norway. And the Soviets are like, no, I want to get into Finland because I need to reform my military. And they can start arguing with each other. It's like Stalin's arguing with Churchill over what they're going to do. And if they can't agree, they're fucked. So traditionally, like, the Soviets attacked Finland in the war, and they didn't do very well. So you would ask, like, well, why the fuck would the Soviets attack Finland then? Like, why would they ever do that? Well, in the game, uh, like, this, the way the Soviet events play out is uh, – the first Soviet event that's available to them is Soviets annex East Poland and Baltic states. It's the Polish partition. So that's when the Germans attacked Poland and Soviets screwed Poland and basically said, yeah, we'll agree to to cut Poland in half. Then the next one is where they're going to attack, they're going to occupy border hexes. But then the third one is Soviets declare a winter war. And this is basically where there's a winter war that's going to happen between the Soviets and the Finns. And the Soviets aren't prepared for it. But what it does is by declaring the winter war, the Soviets can then open up other military reform options for themselves where they can make their headquarters cheaper. And so, uh, there is some logic in how they're going to make decisions based on, uh, what's available to them and what the prerequisites are. That's it. I mean, I don't want to get into every single thing, but there's basically stuff like, uh, like as an example, if there's a time where, uh, like the axis control taxes in france or the french border adjacent to italy's undefended italy can join the axis so there's all these types of events that can trigger some are based on roles, some are automatic but but for it, it kind of does feed you as a player along along the rules as far as how you want to go like in, in Eurofront, the soviet player right away in the beginning can say well i'm declaring war on russia or i'm, I'm sorry i'm declaring war on germany i'm gonna attack germany right away but it's a disaster for them because they haven't gone through any of the reforms they were supposed to have gone through. So the, the odds of them beating Germany early war are, are very slim. They really need to have all these military programs that they're going to initiate. And that's what the diplomatic events, I think, really do a good job of kind of walking them down. And there's decision points where there's paths where they can say, well, I want to go this way or that way. And nothing's automatic. A lot of these, well, some are automatic, but a lot of them are based on die rolls as to what's going to
2: happen for you. Have you have you played Triumph and Tragedy?
1: No, I haven't.
2: Okay. Just and, curious how that compares and contrasted this. Oh
1: and, and basically like uh I'm only soloing through this, so I have no idea whether the system works or whether it's a good system. I, I, I feel like it really is I really like the way it, it works with the Soviets as far as developing them. And at some point they declare the Soviets can declare a great patriotic war. And then they get their traditionally really cheap units that they can overwhelm the Germans with. But there's a buildup there. So it does kind of restrict um uh, you know and like like for the Axis, the Axis has uh stuff like initially the Axis is going to do the phony war after they take Poland. And then they can make the Sweden. They can make Sweden join the Axis, or they can try to make Denmark submit to them. There's all sorts of options that are available to them. So I think it's cool. I think it really uh, the beauty of it is that the combat system is so simple, it's so basic that it's kind of interesting to see how it's all going to work with this Eurofront thing, like kind of bolted onto it. So I don't know it's. I mean, compared to uh, a World of War, it's very easy. Because <laughs> I
0: think that's everything.
1: Yeah. I've got Kyle. Kyle basically uh, texts me, nerd of doom, texts me probably once every one or two weeks with a bunch of rules questions about world of war. And then I have to pull out my rule books and figure out from memory, like how to, how the game works or how. So did you like so, world of war? Well, world of war is a uh, life experience. That's okay. a, it's a, it's a commitment. I mean, you really need to like that. That game is deep so i I enjoy but i think that's a game i'll probably pursue more once i'm retired maybe so and i have time to to devote to it your front is just cool because i can see all the different colored blocks and see what my fins are doing it's fun to see the russians come in and see my fins just fuck up all the russians and then but and the the kicker is so and, and as an example the russians so they attack the fins the, the Germans offer the the Soviets – the Axis offers a, a Finnish armistice, a winter war armistice. The Soviets can decline it, but they don't want to do it. But if they do that, they lose the chance to do the military reforms that would come from the winter war, where the Soviets were like, boy, that didn't go well. like <laughs> Kind of like the first podcast we had with John. You know, Like, oh, we need to make some changes. Like, no more Maximus (laughs) beer. No no more Maximus beer during the reviews. Don't review any
2: games about the Prussian War.
1: Yeah, so, uh, but it it is kind of cool the way, even though you know the Winter War is the Soviet, is going to be a disaster for you, a failure. You can learn from the experience, and it can trigger reforms that then you can implement that will make things easier for you in the long run. So I think it's a very neat way it works, but... uh, Whatever, I mean, it's like any of these games. There is some complexity. But it is nice that the base system is pretty easy. I think. Like, Jason, you played East Front. You thought that
0: was... Yeah, that's a lot of fun, and it's really easy hmm. to... Well, it's easy to play the rules. It's not necessarily easy to play well, which is a sign of a great game, I think.
1: That's right. I agree. All right. So, uh...
2: Anything got Anybody got anything
1: else, or are we good?
2: So, what are some great late-night games that we can play? I mean, I'm, at GT, we played Sentinels of the Multiverse. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we need to talk about some fluff games we can do when we're really...
1: Like hammered drunk night games? Uh, correct. Let me think. I got
2: Smash Up.
1: Smash Up's stupid, though. I don't think it's... My kids like it, but I don't think Smash Up is very really good.
0: Catacombs is good for that too. Oh, cat I just what well you saw, I just got catacombs. Yeah, I, is
2: it the gift for your kid?
1: Yeah, of course. I bought that for my
0: kids. That was yeah. a birthday present. They'll enjoy it. My kids loved it. We played I don't know, we played it ten or fifteen times. They they finally got tired of it, but they played it more than most games. That's a lot of fun.
2: I I picked huh. up uh some of the uh uh, Wings of Glory games. They had My local game store had a bunch of miniature sale for dirt cheap, so I picked up five or six of the airplanes for World War One. Nice. Uh, I think that would be a great game to play when you don't give a shit and you're just out to <laughs> kill things. So, yeah. Well, we
1: we played The Grizzled. My family liked The oh, Grizzled. Oh, that's a good like My wife and you know, we thing. like that one. But it's kind of weird because the whole goal is to all withdraw, right? Don't right. you want to withdraw? Right. So that kind of was odd. That's interesting, though. Yeah. We'll have to think about it. What, what can we run?
2: They can't be too deep. They can't be too much thought. But, you know, it's all about doing something stupid.
0: Yeah. J- Jason, come on. Sure. You're fucking up the whole podcast. You're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, in, in, in the spirit of it just being guys on the phone talking. He's, hey. he's getting ready for bed. I, okay. I, I thought
1: it would be funny if we did for the April Fool's one uh, to have our kids all come on and do the podcast.
2: In the <laughs> oh, that
0: would be funny.
2: Oh. <laughs> we gotta do that. Oh. We should do that one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> Just have them open it up. I'm, I'm afraid my my daughters would bring it down to my level, so that's not a good thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen like I've seen the cookies they make; they're very really risque.
2: <laughs> yes, the pink parts. Yes. <laughs>
1: uh yeah so uh so yeah whatever so i'm i'm pretty toasty at this point so jason you have stuff you had to take care of uh
0: i don't know yeah I'm he's done. he's getting pissed that's funny okay. all right
1: john john you're gonna have a good night now go get in a fight with your wife
2: all right i'll
1: do my <laughs> uh, best all right yes. man. all right bye. all right guys bye Visit us at http colon slash, slash, slash build slash 1660 or contact us at advance at gmail.com.